Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Talksport Daily. Hello and welcome to another Talksport. Da- oh no no no! Of course not. It's the Andy Goldstein. I can't even read my own writing. The Andy Goldstein Talksport Daily podcast with me. Andy Goldstein. And what a podcast we've got coming your way. We've got lots in it, including, of course, the best bits of Andy Goldstein's Trans Europe Express, but more of that later. Uh, we begin the podcast on the back of Arsenal's 2-2 draw with Watford, of course, having been 2-0 up. We can hear now from the manager, Flores, and an irate Arsenal fan. Now Roberto Pereira with a golden opportunity to earn Watford a point. Steps up, going to hit it right-footed, sends Neto the wrong way, and Watford have come from 2-0 down, and it's 2-2, it's exactly what they deserve. That uh, result today is uh, disappointed for, for us, because after 2-0, uh, we, we had the chances in the second half to, to, to win today, but uh, only we can uh, work uh, about uh, our mistakes today for the next matches. They are a very good uh, team, so to have to get some point in one point, sorry, against Arsenal also is really good. In my first period in Watford, I didn't get anyone in league, so it's the first one with them. So <laughs> welcome. To be honest with you, uh, nothing's really changed since Wenger's left. Still the weak mentality despite us spending a lot more money than under Wenger's last few years. We had an opportunity to address the defence, and once again, we've signed a defender that, in my opinion, is no better than Mustafi. last few games, he's cost us, David Luiz. Mm-hmm. He's a shambles. He should not play again. And the manager, Unai Emery, should not manage Arsenal again. We need to look further. Okay. There isn't a lot of good managers out there, but you look at what Chelsea are doing. I know they started off poorly, but Lampard, they got their youth players to and win 5-2 at Wolves, which is not an easy game. And to be honest with you, Unai Emery is not getting the youngsters and the senior players playing as a team together. The attack is still the same as under Wenger, in my opinion. Kroenke is a big problem in the club. And to be honest with you, like I think all they've done by signing Nicolas Pepe is just people, please. I think it was just a signing to get the crowd off his back. Um, like you said, there is bigger problems at the club and any manager coming into it would, would face the same thing with the players that we've got. Over now to the Weekend Sports Breakfast Show, or as we say here at TalkSport Towers, WSB. And Tony Cascarino on Carl Walker. Oh, I see, talking about Carl Walker. And then Dean Ashton defending Carl Walker 
on Sunday exclusive. So basically, everyone was talking about Carl Walker. Cascarino was poo-pooing him and Dean Ashton was unpoo-pooing him. I just don't think Carl Walker's the player he was. I just think he's way off. He had a difficult time last year. That's why they brought a right back for the second goal. He's tried to play offside, um, realised where he where he is, and then dropped off, and then allowed him uh, about ten yards space for Norwich to get the second goal. Because yes, you give a walk away the ball but you still can't make that second error afterwards which they did and Carl Walker I think has played that offside play or using it and dropped off and then found himself 10 yards deeper than any other defender you can't do that do not get how Carl Walker is not in the England squad he's 29 perhaps it would it would it would it have been something that Gareth Southgate knows what he can give give him possibly but he's 29 for me he's still the best Fullback we've got for me personally. Mm-hmm. Yesterday he was the driving force that was still pushing Manchester City uh, forwards towards the end of the game. Had as much energy as anyone, even the subs that came on. Mm-hmm. That was still him. Okay, he makes the odd mistake now and again, but really, if you're talking about over last season, didn't make many mistakes. Rarely gets beaten one v one because of his pace, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I and already today I've seen lots of people on social media hammering him as if it's all his fault. No. Otamendi made the mistakes. The mistakes weren't Kyle Walker's fault whatsoever yesterday, yet he's getting hammered. I honestly don't get it. I still see him as, you know, the best English fullback we've got. Now, of course, one of the things we pride ourselves on here at TalkSport is we take lots and lots of phone calls from lots and lots of football fans. Yeah, you. And, of course, uh, the best show to do that on is Monday to Thursday, Andy Goldstein Sports Bar from 10pm, where, of course, we react... To all the big games. Whereas this week we've got Premier League on Monday, then Tuesday, Wednesday is Champions League, and Thursday the biggest European competition of them all, the Europa League. Anyway, more about that later, but staying with a football fan, this was, I think, one of the best calls from the weekend from game day, a Wolves fan. Nuno Espirito Santo has got to look over his shoulder right now because his job is going to be in jeopardy if results carry on the way they are. Is there any sympathy because of the fact that you're battling with playing in Europe as well and you had a lot of fixtures? I do not blame, do not blame our European exploits for the slump in performances and in form and in results. Okay. I blame the fact that he's constantly acid-stripping and when I say acid-stripping, he is getting rid of players that I rate very highly and I've become increasingly irate that he's getting rid of the flair players. Now, it was a a decent weekend for England in the cricket world. Decent in as much that we didn't lose, but not decent in as much that the Aussies retained the Ashes. Anyway, Guy Swindles, TalkSport's cricket correspondent, was with some of the Aussie and England players talking Ashes. England's man of the series. Um, it's been some series. Have you taken it in yet at all? <laughs> yeah, it's been a fantastic series to be a part of. Um, you know, I've been involved in three now. We got um, we got humped in one. We won one, and now we've drawn one. So I've managed to do all three possible. So, but yeah, it's been a brilliant um, series to be a part of. Um, it's been a real challenge um, for both teams. You know, both teams have been up against the wall. Both teams have been in front by a long way throughout throughout the whole series. And I think two two reflects. The, the cricket that has been played throughout the whole summer. How much does it mean to you and the guys to have actually squared the series and made sure you didn't lose the Ashes? If you yeah, know. that's the thing. You know, we came here 
knowing that we couldn't win the Ashes, but we knew that we could come here and, and draw the Ashes as a series. And obviously with a Test Championship to play for, every game counts now. So um, it is, it's good that that's came in and um, you know, we knew we still had everything to play for this series. Um, you know, they've won it because they won it um, in the last series. Um, so, you know, we, we didn't want Australia to leave here, you know, winning, winning the Ashes. That was our goal this, uh, these, these last four days. We managed to do it, so we're proud of that. Now, 2019, they'll always be heading league. They'll always be the World Cup. Have you had a chance to put any of that stuff in perspective here? Um, yeah, I think, you know, I, I know obviously some of the, the things I've managed to do as an individual, um, which is... You know, I'm sure one day when you know I'm old and can't walk like Ian Botham looks at the moment, um, I'll be able to look back on them with fond memories. Um, but you know, at the moment, whilst I'm, you know, still feel like I've got a lot of cricket ahead of me, um, you know, hopefully I can I'm produce more days like that, um, and hopefully you know I can just be a part of a successful England team in the next five to six years. Have you enjoyed it? Because it has been nip and tuck all the way through. I've loved it. Um, I've loved every minute of the last four and a half months I've been here in England with the World Cup and the Ashes. So it's been great fun and um, yeah, really proud I've been able to perform and, and help this team achieve something that um, you know, hasn't done, been done for a while here in England and, and that's take the urn home. And you even won over the English crowd by the end as well, standing ovations. Yeah, it was a nice little uh, round of applause, I guess. I walked off the field today. Um, unfortunately, I, I couldn't walk off with a few more runs under my belt today. But, you know, I gave this series my all. And, um, you know, I'm pretty mentally and, and physically fatigued right now and um, kind of glad it's over. Um, would have been nice to have had a sixth test maybe and a, a, deci- a decider. But um, happy it's all done now and can just catch up on some sleep, chill out and get ready for a big summer back home. Joffrey, let's start with this match. What did it mean to square the series for you and the guys? It meant everything, you know. We made sure they didn't win the Ashes. They only retained it, so that's good. You yourself, another six for um, enjoying Test match cricket? Yeah, it's been up and down, you know. We got six first innings. We didn't got any in the second, you know. But um, although I didn't get one, it, I felt that I contributed to the team, you know. Kept it slow at some points, you know, and gave... The other guys, some encouragement, some excitement to then want to come and be to be part of the game as well. Now it's been quite a summer in your introduction to international cricket. You've won the World Cup. You've bowled the Super over. You've tied with Australia in the Ashes. Have you been able to take it in yet? Um, no, the summer is over. I'll probably have a good time to, to sit down and reflect on everything that I've done. But you know, every time from the moment I put an England shirt on, it's been. It's been amazing cricket, you know, from the first game to the very last game, and hopefully this is the start of something good with the boys. I'm Darren Goff, and this is TalkSport Daily. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We can move on now to Simon Jordan's final word. Although that's quite ironic because if you know Simon Jordan, you'll know that he's never ever had the final word. He's just constantly going on and on and on. That final word will never ever happen. Even when he's long gone and he's six feet under, he'll probably leave some kind of tape recording of him just yabbering on about when I was Crystal Palace chairman and when I hired Steve Coppel. Anyway, this is from Danny Kelly and Simon Jordan on the final word. But there is the full-time whistle. It's only born the second win at home in the Premier League since the end of January, but it moves them into the top half, above Everton, into eighth place. Marco Silva really needs to find a cure to Everton's travel sickness. We had some moments with quality, but after we cannot um, give so easy things to the hour opponent. Uh, first or second corner they scored, and uh, when they score, and uh, of course I'm not taking the, the, the credits uh, to Bournemouth, uh, they won the game and they deserved it. We've spoken about him on, uh, over the years, and specifically last year, when, when or the year before last, when he was being courted by Everton and all that unseemly, you know, unedifying sort of dispute that went on between Everton and Watford. And at the time, he falls into a category of manager that, I've, that I, I don't particularly like, which is a manager that gets into a job seems to believe that he's earned his stripes and then bats his eyes at the next available opportunity that he thinks is a step up and there's quite a few of them about you know you know I'm not comparing necessarily achievements of Gary Rowett to that of Marco Silva because Marco mm-hmm. Silva is on paper prima facie a Premier League manager although hasn't done that much um, but no, they are, you, but there's similar. a difference between managing Premier League clubs and being a Premier League manager. Yeah, very much so. And obviously, you know, a lot of the silver myth came when, of course, he landed on our shores of Hull and we had the, the all-knowing uh, panel of four talking about what credentials did he have, how did he get this job in the first place, and that he was a waste of time and they should have given it to everybody else besides him. And then he performed at a decent level with Hull, surprised a few people, but they still got relegated. And then went over to Watford, and then Watford, with his with the support of his owners, the Potsos, looked very good for the for the beginning of the season. Looked very much on the front foot. He made some very good signings, specifically and explicitly with Charlison. And then you had that situation where, you know, Everton coveted him and came for him and created a you know a, a, a bridge or a, a rift between him and his current club, being Watford. And ultimately, he's landed Everton. And we look at Everton. You look at Everton. I look at Everton. And you hear about Mashiri's wealth and you see the signings of Gilfie Sigerson for 50 million quid and you see Richarlison arriving 
as a result of Marco Silva Michael for similar Keane, amounts of money. Iwobi 40 was million. a lot of money. £25 million centre-backs coming in and Iwobi coming in because they looked like they wanted to buy Wilfred Zaha but didn't really. They wanted to spend a certain amount of money. And I'm, I'm questioning the actual efficacy of of Everton's stated intention because we look at Everton now back in our minds with Howard Kendall and a club competing at the top of the Premier League we think of Mashiri coming through the door and taking up the cudgel or taking up the mantle from, from Bill Kenwright who I know very well um, and looking like they're going to move across the Stanley Docks and build this stadium again become a force in English football but they don't seem to be doing very much and they don't seem to be producing very much. Now, they had a better half of the second half of the season last year. They started well, fell away, and then got better towards the end of the season and finished respectably. But where are Everton actually going? And I look at some of the players that they have amongst their group, and I think it's interesting. You know, when they signed Gareth Barry, I didn't think that was an inspiring signing, and I don't think Fabian Delft is an inspiring signing. I look well, at, they're trying to replicate what they got from the other Neville, aren't they? Possibly. 10 years of brilliant service possibly, from a player who looked like but, he'd done his stuff look, at Manchester United. You look at these managers and you look at them and you say, Silver comes in and Everton are supposed to be pushing and they're supposed to be the club that's like, not supposed to be, but that's what we feel yes. that are likely to be a club that's going to be a real comer, that's going to come and knock on the door of the top six because they've got Mashiri, because they look good on, on paper and because they look like they're making big signings. But then again, they've sold people like Lukaku and that money has probably been redeployed to spend on people like Sigerson. So the question is, is Silver a myth? I've always thought he was. I don't think he's earned his credentials. I don't think he's achieved anywhere near what Everton would need to become one of the top six in, in, this, in, in this division. Now on to the Barry Glendening warm-up show, which features some other Max Headroom or something. And there was controversy on this week's show as well. Quick game of Carver House, Baz. Okay. Okay, let's go. Phil King. Ian Snowden John Harkes Ian Bishop Robert Allathorne Ian Brightwell John Newsom Ian Ormondroyd Vinnie Samways Ian Culverhurst Oh I Norwiched you there well, That was a great performance Stunning It wasn't actually It was just Simple You. I think you were expecting yeah. Something a little more about road. Matt says, I'm sure Barry started with Ian Stone, not Steve Stone. Linesman is flagging, must go to VAR. I started with Ian Snowden. Oh, yeah, that is that is true. You did. So we, we're we saying we don't... The VAR's checked it, and much like a Jamal well, Lasalle's foul in the box... No, VAR hasn't checked it. VAR checks everything. I have been wrongly accused okay. of chicanery. Yeah, we're check VAR is checking, I'm being told. I have told you what yeah. happened, yes, and you're not prepared to take my word for no, it. No, no, I believe you. I believe you, but, but VAR checks everything. Right, well, there's no need to check. I know what I said. I said Ian Snowden. Phil King. Ian Snowden. Everyone, of course, was talking about Fury this weekend and there was lots of reaction to it and not surprising. I've seen it. Uh, Brad Pitt is a wonderful actor. It's a great film. And if you've not seen it, my advice is to go down to your local blockbusters and rent out a VHS as soon as you can. Love that movie. What Fury did... 
There was no panic in the corner, which is credit to Ben Davison as well. Uh, Fury was very savvy in telling the doctor as soon as the doctor asked him, I can see out of the eye. He knew the risks involved. And then I think he got his mojo. And from round, I think from round six to 11, he really did dominate with heavy shots. But there was more drama then in the 12th round as Wallin landed another big left hand. And Fury looked quite exhausted at that point. But he showed something there tonight, that the desire and grit's still there. Fury just showed again that he's, he's just got something about him because it cannot have been good to be fighting, not even seeing out of his right eye. The drama was in that eye-sized gash that opened up with the left hook um, above... Uh, Tyson Fury's right eyebrow uh, in the third round. And, of course, the referee wants the, the doctor, the ringside physician, to look at the cut, and you're just thinking, oh, my God, this fight is going to be stopped. Because Ben Davison in the corner, Fury's trainer, thought it was a clash of heads. But it would have been ruled in favour of Otto Wallin at that point by technical knockout uh, for the victory. They wouldn't have gone to the cards because if it, they didn't rule it as an accidental clash. So there's, there's a lot of drama in the fight. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what you get in heavyweight boxing. And that's what you get in boxing in general. It is theatre. And things don't go according to the script, even though Wallin was completely written off in this fight. And now on to what a lot of people are saying is the... In fact, don't take my word for it. Got a little email here. It says, Dear Andy, uh, love the Andy Goldstein Sports One Monday Thursday from 10pm. Will you be taking phone calls this week after the Premier League game on Monday and then Champions League Tuesday, Wednesday and Europa League Thursday? Hope the answer is yes. Yes, it is. Oh, sorry, there's more. But what I want to know is, how good was this week's Trans-Europe Express? Well, make your own mind up. On to headline number two. The headline is great goal. Terrible guy. We're talking French football. I imagine that he's going to be messy. Will I, I'm sorry, Neymar. Will I, I, I know it's Neymar because, of course, we spoke about this earlier on. And what did surprise me when I was reading about this was the fact that not only did he score a late winner against Strasbourg, but he got booed during the game and then booed after when he scored the goal. Very bizarre. It's a really unusual spectacle. The fact that he, he scores this fantastic overhead kick and um, there's a cheer, and then the cheers are quite sort of, you know, supplemented by, by boos and whistles. I know, when do you get that when a team scores a in stoppage time winner at home? It's one of the most extraordinary things I can, I can really remember at, at top-level football in, in, in quite a, a long time. I remember seeing um, an NBA team, I, th- I think it was um, Sacramento Kings, um, it was Buddy Heald scoring a, a buzzer beater fourth quarter winner. I don't know what you're talking about now. Uh, stay with me. Stay okay, with me. Right, yeah. uh, in a game at Detroit last season. And he scored it and he got running. And you know when someone scores a basket or a goal or whatever and they just go on a run. And he just ran like, off the court, down the tunnel and basically went home. And I kind of felt that Neymar was quite close to that. While everyone else stayed around for a, a cuddle and the Strasbourg players were commiserating with them because they'd played really well and then got to the end and lost their point, Neymar was straight off the pitch. And then afterwards, he said, well, I just have to accept that from now on, the, the supporters have, have the right to express themselves how they want and I, I understand where they're coming from, but I just have to understand that for, for now, every game for me is an away game. Mm. Uh now well, I mean, he wanted to be... No, he certainly didn't want to be a home team player at Parc de Prince, so, I mean, he's, he's gotten his wage, truly. <laughs> no, I, I think this is completely fine. I, 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 Do I, you? I, I, well, I mean, 
I'm sure some of the abuse goes into the excessive, which we're not in favour of, obviously. But I like the fact that, listen, the backstory here is... It was Neymar who wanted to move to Paris Saint-Germain, right? That the yeah. move was instigated. Didn't he say he was never going to play for the, PSG? The move was instigated from his side of the the thing, right? And we we like to think of PSG as this team that has limitless funds, and and maybe in a way they do. But two hundred million euros is still two, still two hundred million euros. Like they made an enormous financial commitment to him, uh, which also limits the money they can spend on other players and whatever. They made a huge huge commitment to him, and and they made him like the front. They put him right there uh, as the as the as the franchise player in this great project of theirs. And they've been incredibly patient with all of his nonsense and him sort of going back to Brazil when he's uh, injured and. Uh, or, and other things you hear rumours about. They've been very, very patient. They've let him Neymar be Neymar. And he's rewarded them this summer by trying, in a really disrespectful and overt way, of forcing himself out of the club, talking about not wanting to play there and all this sort of stuff, right? If you, if you then come back, you're going to get booed by the fans. And I think it's almost a little bit of a... Sorry. I like the are. fact they have enough backbone to still boo him, yeah, even though he are. did a goal. But when, like, we talk about but fans... When you score fans the winner, being, yeah. when you score the winner, there's got to be a moment as a fan where you go, actually, fair play. Not and not boo them. No, I don't think so. I, don't, I, 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 think, I, think, I think there was for about I seven and a half seconds. Staggering, <laughs> about that longer gap. The staggering, when he, when levels, the staggering levels of disrespect he's shown the club. Uh, I think he deserves to get booed. And I think the fact that the fans don't completely change their mind just because he's done a goal, I, I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I love the way you say done a goal. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> But that's it for another podcast. It's just time to tell you about another little email that's coming here. It says, uh, Andy, love the work you do on the uh, Trans Europe Express. Very kind. And also love the work you do Monday to Thursday on the Andy Goldstein Sports Park. Very kind of you. Uh, just want to know how long you'll continue doing the TalkSport Daily podcast for, as I'm a big fan of your voice and only your voice. And if you stop doing it, then I probably would unsubscribe like everyone else that's subscribed already. Well, that's a very good question. There's no name on that. But thanks very much. Um, as long as they pay me, they pay me nothing. I do it for free. Anyway, that's it for another podcasting thing. Thank you as always for taking the time to download it. Remember to press subscribe. If you're new to this, press that button. And then, of course, every single day, apart from two days, I still haven't worked it out. I think we do one on a Sunday, which gets to you on Monday. But then there isn't one on a Friday, but that's because it's the... Anyway, there's five in, out of the seven days. You understand it. If you press subscribe, you'll get it without having to do anything else other than having already pressed subscribe. You get my drift. Don't forget, of course, I'll be on TalkSport tonight reacting to Aston Villa against West Ham, which is an 8pm kickoff, meaning when me and the fun boy come on air at 10, we'll be taking your calls. And then all through the week, there's big Champions League games and Europa League games, so we'll be taking calls on the back of them, as always, from 10pm. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Be safe, everyone. Be safe. That was a podcast from TalkSport.